As we open God's Word this morning, I'm going to invite you, if you have a Bible or device, to turn to the letter of James near the back of your Bibles. James has a lot to say about relationships. We're in a six-week series about relationships. And for any good relationship, it requires good communication. And when we began this series, we talked about one practice in your life that if you could get a hold of this practice you'll see your relationships improve to some degree on your end you really will and that's this is be quick to listen and slow to speak in any relationship that you're in uh, both sides you and the other person want to be heard and understood and as a follower of Jesus instead of going to your conversation saying you need to hear me and understand me You go to your conversation saying, I want to hear you and understand you. And when you have two people doing that, uh, it's going to lead to better communication. So James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And today, where we pick it up, he's going to talk to us about when we do open our mouth, uh, the importance of those words coming out. He's going to tell us three things. First, those words coming out that we say to, to people that they matter to God. Secondly, he's going to tell us that those words are powerful. They can shape us. They shape others. And thirdly, that those words that come out of your mouth are to be compatible with the one you're following, with Jesus, with the new nature that you have. Uh, So is this going to apply to anybody this morning, today? Okay. If you're struggling today, maybe with uh, you brag or you exaggerate or you lie or you gossip or you uh, use sarcasm, sarcasm does not work, Uh, you use profanity, you uh, have condescending words, you're always putting people down, you have negative, critical, hurtful words, destructive words, there's hope with Jesus Christ. He's still changing lives today, and he can change your speech. And so we're talking about good words, godly words in our conversations. And so may God speak to all of us today. So James chapter 3, and we're talking about our mouths today. Beginning verse 1, James writes, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So James opens and he begins with the teachers. In that day, 2,000 years ago, after Jesus died and rose again the third day, uh, the message went out, he's, he's alive, and Jews and non-Jews started to meet in churches, in house churches. They started to get together. And the Jews in particular were kind of climbing over one another to teach. Oh, let me tell you about what God says from his word. And James says, hey, you know, it's great that you aspire to become a teacher, but you need to slow down. This is a sobering thing because anybody that opens God's word has to rightly divide it. They're responsible. They're accountable. So he's speaking first to the teachers. He wants them to know that what comes out of our mouths and the teacher's mouths is important to God. And it's not just for teachers. God cares about all of our speech. We see that from Genesis to Revelation, in particular in the book of Proverbs. If you have a problem with your speech, can I encourage you? 
there are a number of Proverbs that talk about our words and what we say. So our speech matters to God. James continues. He says, we all stumble in many ways, right? None of us are perfect. Again, take the time this morning, look around at someone else, say, you are not perfect. Okay? And they can say it back to you, you're not perfect. We all stumble in many ways. However, James is going to say this, anyone who is never at fault, they never stumble in their words and what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. If you can learn to discipline and control and tame your tongue, you'll be able to do that with the rest of your body, to discipline your body. Why? Because that little tongue of yours is probably the most insubordinate part in your body. We have to work at taming our tongue. So James says, your words matter. Now, before we look at our words being powerful, when James writes this letter, he is very aware of the power of words, in particular what God says in the book of Proverbs. So this is a proverb I hope you, that if you don't memorize it, you at least are very familiar with it. It's Proverbs 18, 21, uh, where the sage says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. If you open your mouth, you love it, you're going to eat its fruit, whether it's good fruit or bad fruit. In other words, what you say always carries a consequence. And James, or the, the sage, reminds us that what you say can be life-giving or death-destroying. You have to make the choice. In your, if you're married, in your marriage relationship, marriage relationship. Are there life-giving words going back and forth? If you're a parent with your children, are there life-giving words going back and forth? In your friendships, are there life-giving words going back and forth? That's God's plan for you, that you would speak these words of life. They have power rather than the words of death. So James, he says, our words matter. Now let me talk to you uh, about this power. I want to pause just for a moment, though, before we get back to James. You right now, uh, uh, you have been shaped by the words spoken to you, the words spoken over you, the words spoken about you. And if you have grown up and people have, your family and others have spoken words of life into you, you're in a very probably good spot. And maybe this Thanksgiving weekend, you can say thank you to some of those people. But if you are here and you've had words of death spoken over you, critical words, harsh words, condescending words, destructive words, you're not maybe in such a great place because our words shape us. And we have to realize just how powerful they are. And not all of our words are equally weighted. So every word that comes out of your mouth doesn't carry the same weight. In fact, we know from studies with our brain that negative words carry more weight than positive words. So some studies say to counter a negative word that comes out of your mouth, you have to say two positive words. Uh, some studies show five and some even seven words. Okay, so if you're in a marriage relationship and you say a negative word, you need at least two, if not five or seven positive words. They carry different weights. I think it was Mark Twain that said, I can live on a compliment for three months, right? But if you hear something hurtful to you, chances are 
it has more weight, and you're going to remember it for more than three months. It's hard to release those hurtful words. So not all of our words have equal weight, and also the source of our words are not equally weighted, right? Moms and dads, what you say to your kids matters more and carries more weight than what a friend says to them. Now, when they're in high school and they're teen years, you may think that's not always the case, but it is. Your words carry more weight. When mom or dad says, I love you, or I'm proud of you, or I'm behind you, or you can do it, those are heavy words. If someone else says them, yes, they got weight. So they're not equally weighted, the the different sources. So again, our words are powerful. Our tongue has the power to give life or give death. So James knows that, and so now he's going to share with them just how powerful our tongues are. And James, if you uh, take your Bibles and read through all five chapters of James, you'll notice that he uses a lot of illustrations to make his point. Why does he do that? Because the one he was following, Jesus, used a lot of illustrations. When you read what Jesus says, he's teaching, but he's always pointing around to illustrate. You see those two birds over there? Okay, I know you're going through uncertain times. I know you feel like things aren't in control. I know you're anxious and fearful and you just wonder if anybody's in control. You see those two birds over there? Not one of them touches the ground apart from the Father's will. And you're more important than birds, so you can trust him. Oh, you see the lilies of the field over there? Oh, you see the mountains over there? So Jesus used a lot of illustrations. James similarly. So he uses a whole bunch of illustrations to Help us to understand how powerful our tongues are. First one uh, is to do with horses. No horse jokes this morning. Okay, let's continue. Verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. We put bits. So James is saying, take a majestic big horse and you take a tiny bit, a metal bit, attach it to some leather reins, and you put that little bit in the mouth of that big animal, and you can turn that animal. Uh, I have two nieces, uh, twins, who grew up with horses, and I would, uh, time and time again, we went to to see the family there, they'd be on these horses, and they just like, even like as little, six, seven-year-olds, just like, making the horse do what they wanted to do, steering the horse. James says that little bit controls that big horse. Second illustration, verse 4, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. You see those merchant ships, James says, with all the cargo on board, with all the crew on board, with the unpredictable strong winds, You also see that very small rudder. That rudder steers that big ship. What is James doing? He's helping us to see that there's a disproportionate power to certain things that are small, whether it's a bit, whether it's a rudder, or whether it's our, what do you think he's going to guess? Our tongue. Verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. That tongue of yours, three, four inches, or whatever it is, Man, it can brag. It can do a lot of things. It has a lot of power. And just as a bit uh, directs a horse, just as a rudder directs a ship, a tongue directs a life. A tongue directs a relationship. A tongue directs the quality 
of a relationship. To some extent, what you say affects the direction and quality of your relationship. So if you are thinking of your present relationships and where you'd like to be in two, three years, five years from now, oh, I'd love to have uh, a relationship and, and, and healthy and flourishing. Well, that's connected to that tiny little part called the tongue. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And then James says, and gives us another illustration, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So small bit, small rudder, small tongue, now it's small spark. And I think we're all aware uh, of images that we've seen on the news where in British Columbia or California, there are these fires that, are, that spread across and destroy hundreds and hundreds of acres, destroying homes, destroying uh, cars. There's always an investigation. How did that sti- start, uh, fire start? And sometimes, some will say it was just this tiny spark and all of that destruction. James says, verse 6, the tongue also is a fire. Sometimes it's just one little spark from your tongue that can lead, as it spreads, the fire spreads, to a divorce. It's one little spark from your tongue that can lead to anger and a broken relationship. It's a spark from the tongue that can lead to murder, a spark from the tongue that can lead to wars. The tongue is powerful. James goes on to say, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the whole body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell that all the things, all the evil things, take pride and take jealousy and take anger. Oh, they just happen to be connected to the tongue. They're all expressed through the tongue. And just a little note, too, with these forest fires. And next week, I really want to encourage you, we're talking about, James is going to talk to us in relationships about conflict and how be quick to listen, slow to speak. And when you do speak, make sure it's, it's uh, proper and right coming out. But I want to, next week we're going to talk about conflict, how to use our words in conflict so that you don't have these fires that spread. I know with my wife and I, we've had, you know, uh, fires throughout the course of our marriage and with, with our kids, right? Uh, but we've learned how to put them out quickly and how not to, to start one. Uh, but one thing I've learned, and I wish I had to learn this a long time ago, if you're um, newly married, this is like something, can you get a hold of this now? Because some of us that are older, we were just like, oh, I wish I could go back, okay? But here's one thing I learned, is with my wife, um, sometimes I would say something hurtful to her, and uh, by the way, she, odd times, said something hurtful to me, but I said something hurtful to her, but then I'd own it. And I'd say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And she would say yes, because she doesn't carry grudges, but she would say yes. Um, But then I would say, like, but why aren't you okay? Anybody else there? Like I said, I'm sorry. What's wrong with you? Like, why aren't you back to normal? Hello, anybody else here with me today? Okay, you got it with your relationships, right? Okay, what's wrong? It's kind of like, you know, if I, uh, front door, closing door, slam the door uh, on her hand, and I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? I don't say, well, how come you're still complaining about your hand? Like, come on, get over it. No, it's the same thing. These fires 
Some of them you don't put out so easy. It takes a little bit longer to heal. A little bit longer. Our tongues are powerful. Is everybody getting James's point here? And he says, notice, it, corrupt, uh, it sets the whole course of one's life on fire. I mean, this tongue, again, can affect the direction of your life. With your tongue, we have the poten- with our tongues, we have the t- potential to burn down relationships with our words. We can burn down our marriage with our words. We can burn down our relationship with our kids with our words. We can burn down a friendship with our words. We can burn down a lot of bridges with our words. And can I say too, it's not just our spoken words, but our digital words. Okay, with social media, now with that, all of the platforms out there, Twitter and Facebook and all of those things, we can be engaged. Facebook and those platforms can be a good tool. We can be engaged, speak the truth, but we're careful with our words that we're not using words to destroy. We're not using impulsive words, reckless words, careless words, unchecked words, har- words of harassment, bullying words. We're not using any words to destroy a person, to destroy a group. That is not the way of Jesus. And Christians in this pandemic have been brought into that, and they need to get out of that. Why? Because all of those words, and we ask the question, why is it so bad on social media in some places? Well, James tells us. And is itself set on fire by hell. That is not the way of Jesus. Fighting fire with fire and using all of these words carelessly. That's not of him. James says, you want to know where that comes from? It comes from hell. It's not a good thing. That's a very sobering thought. So James says, your words are powerful. And then he talks to us about like, they're so powerful, it's really hard to tame our tongues. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And James is using hyperbole. He looks at the animal kingdom and he says, listen, for the most part, we're subduing animals, like even today, kind of got the lion problem under control and the snake problem under control. I don't know about the cats. If cat, can cats be tamed? Anybody? I don't know. We're still working on the cats. Okay, but he said, like, we've got these guys under control, but yet look at our tongues. And he says, nobody can control their tongue. What? Nobody? What he's saying there, it's an ongoing constant taming of the tongue. In other words, we don't reach a point where we say, hey, I've arrived. I could just say whatever I want because our tongue, our fallen tongue, is full of, of, of uh, a restless poison, a restless evil. So we're always guarding our tongues and working with our tongues, taming them on a regular basis because there's always this unpredictable factor with our tongues, something could come out that is not proper. So James says, your words matter. They are powerful. And now here's his point. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a servant of Jesus, as he identifies himself at the beginning of the book, that your words, what comes out of your mouth, is to be compatible with him, with who you are 
as a follower of Jesus. So verse 9, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. James says, there's an incongruency when you're on a Sunday praising God, love you, Lord, you are... um, How great thou art, searching for that hymn, there it is, how great thou art. And then Monday, anybody here on Sunday on the car ride home after church? My tongue is going where it shouldn't go, and I am mistreating someone by the words I speak to them. James is saying, those two don't fit together. The highest form of praise that you could ever use your tongue for is praising God. He is worthy of your praise. You are made to praise Him. But then the lowest form is cursing those made, notice, in His likeness, in His image. And we talked last week that every single person born into this world is made in the image of God, which means every single person, whether they're, whatever their skin color, whatever their intellectual level, whatever their, whatever, every single one has value and is to be treated as an equal. There's an equality. But being made in the image also of God also carries a dignity, that everybody carries a dignity because they're created in God's image. Even a person that is evil, and distorted that image, they still maintain a dignity because they're created in God's image, which means if we take a person that's doing a lot of evil, they are uh, to experience judgment. There's to be civil judgment. You need to, to pay for what you've done. But there's also divine judgment. If someone doesn't turn to God, there'll be divine judgment. But in any case, we never curse someone made in the image of God because they still maintain a dignity. So we got to be careful. That's, that reality is to restrain what comes out of our mouths. So James says, out of the same mouth, you're praising God, you're cursing people. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This should not be. This is absurd. This is ridiculous. This is incompatible. And notice James, he, he, he's using we all of the time because he's part of, of the group. He's not saying, I've arrived and you guys, it's just ridiculous what's coming out of your mouth. He's saying it for all of us. This is absurd. It's incompatible. It should not be. So just a reminder before we move on, anytime you use hurtful speech, careless speech, unchecked speech, critical speech, demeaning others, condescending, that it's not the way of Jesus. And then James gives us some more illustrations to make his point. So verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No. We'll find in our Bibles in the Old Testament, in particular, that spring represents the heart. Can fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? No. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? No. Or a grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And what James is saying, he's saying, just as there's a consistency about springs and trees and grapevines, there's to be a consistency about who you are, who you belong to, and what comes out of your mouth. So in other words, we need to learn to speak 
in a way that is compatible with Jesus. But if you have your Bibles open, you look at, well, what's compatible with Jesus? Do you notice there? Verse 13, he moves on to another topic. James, what, what do we do here? You've just said we're not to have incompatible speech. What about compatible speech? I invite you to turn, if you will, just for a moment to Ephesians chapter 4. Out of any verse in the Bible, this is probably um, kind of the key verse when it comes to our speech as a follower of Jesus. And Paul writes this in Ephesians 4.29. So if you could turn to Ephesians 4.29. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So any speech that's incompatible with being a follower of Jesus. No profanity, no lying, no condescending remarks, no barbs, no sarcasm. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You only speak which is compatible, congruent, consistent, and proper with being a follower of Jesus. And he tells us what that speech is. First, it's helpful. With your spouse, you speak that which is helpful. With your kids, speak that which is helpful. With your parents, speak that which is helpful. He doesn't say speak that which is nice, okay? So if you're like here, uh, being a follower of Jesus, I just got to be saying nice things all the time. No. But does anybody say that, by the way? Because that's another conversation. But anyway, um, he doesn't say anything. He says helpful. You want the best for other people as a follower of Jesus. So what is helpful for that other person? Lord, give me the words to say. What's helpful to them? And for some of us, we need to dial it down so we're not saying what isn't helpful. But for other, others of us, we need to step up and speak what needs to be said. If you do this, here's what I see. This is not good. We need to speak up, both on an individual level, but even as citizens of Canada, uh, we have a voice that we speak. We speak the truth in love. But it's not hateful speech. It's not speech that's inconsistent with Jesus. We say, here's what we think. Here's what I think because I believe it's helpful. So when I speak, open my mouth, it's to be helpful for building others up according to their needs. So it's, I'm to build up others with my speech. So every conversation you go to, every friendship you're, you have, in that conversation, it's like a construction site. And the words that you bring and your friend or the other person brings, those are the building tools. And you can either build or you can destroy. And, Jay, and Paul says, when you go, first, Lord, is this helpful? But secondly, Lord, I really want to build them up. I want to encourage them. I want to be a blessing to them. I'm building them up. And then thirdly, so that it will benefit them. That every conversation you have, the other person should come away better off, not worse off. Now, sometimes you have to say hard things, but it's from a heart that they're better off, not worse off. So I want to ask you today, as we're talking about how powerful your speech is, what are you bringing to your conversations, to your relationships? When you go into work, what are you bringing? In your marriage, what are you bringing? With your friendships, what are you bringing? Are you bringing that which is helpful, that which builds up, that which is a blessing, or 
Are you bringing an attitude, a heart, where there's just put-downs and sarcasm and negative content, uh, uh, negative remarks? If that's you, then you need to own it. You need to say, this is not of Jesus. This is of hell. And from this day forward, Lord, help me. Forgive me. And it may mean that you need to go to a person, to maybe a child or to a parent or to a friend and say, you know what, when I said this, it was wrong. Will you forgive me? No explanation about, like, I was just tired. I was just, no, you just own it, okay? That's the speech that God wants for you if you're a follower of Jesus, that your speech is compatible with him. You're building up in blessing, not tearing down and cursing. James, or not James, uh, the sage Solomon reminds us that if we've got a problem with our speech, if we want good speech, it's not simply with our tongue. There's something else going on. The problem is with our heart. We've got to deal with our heart. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if your heart is full of salt water, don't expect fresh water to come out, or your heart is full of salt water, don't expect your mouth, uh, fresh water to come out of your mouth. You've got to deal, we have to deal with our heart. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Everything that comes out of your life, including speech, starts in your heart. So this is just an ongoing reminder. That's why as followers of Jesus, we don't just watch what we want to watch. When it comes to Netflix, Prime Video, whatever you watch, I'm like, what's going into my heart? Because it is true, garbage in, garbage out. Okay, no, I'm going to say no to that. No, I'm going to say no to that. I'll say yes to that. What I listen to on Spotify, on Apple Playlist, whatever you listen to, anybody CDs? Cassette tapes, eight tracks, okay? Whatever you listen to, right? Should I be listening to that? Help me to find the good stuff. Because what goes in matters. People I hang around with are people I hang around with lots of profanity in lots of just coarse and rude language, that's going to come out. Now, if that's you and you're in a workplace and you say, what can I do about it? Well, you can, uh, you know, in a proper way after prayer, go and, and speak to the person in private and just say, you know, you're wrecking my life. Stop talking that way. No, you don't say that. But, but you talk to them and you say, I really appreciate it if, and if they're no and there's no change, then you've got to say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And maybe it's shielding myself from that. Maybe it's finding another job. But the reality is what goes into your heart is going to come out. So if you want to have better relationships, good communication, you've got to get good stuff into your heart. You've got to be around people that speak life-giving words because sooner or later it will come out of your mouth. Guard your heart above all else. I know for me, I've had this prayer over the years um, from uh, Psalm chapter 19 as a father, as a, as a husband, as a friend. And uh, in Matthew 19, the psalmist said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I've said that prayer many times. Lord, help me today with what I say. May it be pleasing to you. Maybe it com- be it compatible uh, uh, with you. Uh, and a shorter verse is Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth. Lord, set a guard over my mouth. In my relationships, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. So today, 
Taming the tongue, your tongue, is an ongoing process, but it is so worth it because with your words, you can shape the direction and quality of your relationships. So would you today say, Lord, help me to speak those words of life, not words of death. Lord, would you help me to speak that which is helpful, that which builds up, that which is a blessing. That's the way of Jesus.